0: wherever you are anyway God bless you and I hope you enjoy the podcast we have a guest speaker this morning but many of you know her Julia Johnson and Dwayne Johnson have yes go ahead (laughs) I expected that (laughs) Dwayne and Julia have been here at Grantham Church for over 10 years And you know that they have quite a ministry to the poor, uh, to those who are recovering addicts, to those who've been homeless, to those who've had a difficult life. Uh, Julia's also helped to coordinate and oversee a closet called Jules Closet at the other end of our building uh, where we have clothing and hygiene products and, and things for those who are in need. I have been meeting with Julia for about every month, and we talk theology. And we talk discipleship, and we have a really good time together. And this Sunday after Easter, I usually take a a break from preaching. And so it made sense for many reasons, as you'll see this morning, as we are going to talk about the Holy Spirit, to invite Julia Johnson to come and speak to us. Would you welcome Julia? Julia. Before Julia preaches... And you're going to preach. I'm going to All right. I want to pray for Julia. Can we lift her up? Let's do that together. Just hold out a hand toward Julia, and we'll pray for her. Father, we are so thankful for Julia and Dwayne. We thank you for your calling on their life and the things that you're doing through their lives. That's what we'll get to hear about this morning. We pray for your anointing. We pray that as Julia comes to us to talk about the Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fill her with the Holy Spirit. And God, that we had an open hearts and minds to receive what you want to tell us today. Be with her now. May we sense your presence and your power. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.
1: Okay, is this on? Yes. So I don't need to do an introduction. Pastor David did a very nice one, so thank you for that. I am honored to be here today in this space with all of you with the opportunity to share my heart as well as my experience and a lot of the things that I have grown to learn over the last 10 years of being here at Grantham Church. I wanted to look back a couple weeks ago when Pastor David was talking about our identity in Christ— and what that means, and do we really receive it? And so as I was listening to that sermon, I was called back to a period of time about three years ago that I knew I I understood, but I wasn't able to receive, right? Because throughout my walk, as throughout my life, society had told me just the opposite. I had issues with abandonment and feeling unworthy, I made a lot of mistakes that made me feel dirty and unclean, right? And so Pastor David's message is so vital to all of us, because in my experience, if you don't truly understand and receive your identity in Christ and the authority that it gives you, I'm not sure that you can receive all the rest of his goodness, and so I wanted to just call that out a little bit and go to Second um, Corinthians five, 16 through 20. Let's see how good my markers are. So it says in verse 16. Again, we're at 2 Corinthians chapter five, starting with verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So what that means for all of us that have given our hearts to Jesus, right? We are new. I'm not that same person I was before. You are not that same person you were before Jesus. And so we need to be able to receive that and truly believe it. The old has gone, the new has come. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. That alone, that truth, rocked my world." Jesus was not holding my sin against me, nor is he holding it against you. So why do we allow the enemy to keep us in bondage of past sin? These are things that I needed to work out in my own life. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, to God. And so when I realized that I was struggling with my identity, I began to ask and pray for the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal my heart to me. Why was I struggling with this? Why couldn't I? I knew it was true here. I couldn't receive it here. And so as I'm praying, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me and begins to reveal to me that there was a lot of unhealed trauma. There was a lot of pain, there was a lot of shame, and I stepped into a place of imaginative prayer and I began a healing process. I have been on that healing journey for three years and it has changed everything for me. I want to go back um, because if I reference back in John 14 where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, he's promising the Holy Spirit to us, and he tells us, Jesus tells us he will not leave us as orphans, friends, I was stuck in that orphan state of mind. Don't let the enemy hold you there. We are no longer orphans. We are called into the family of God, the creator. That in itself is something to celebrate. And so if you're, I encourage you to ask yourselves, are you able to truly receive that? Do you truly know what that means for you? And if you don't, I would begin to pray and ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to you what keeps you from stepping fully into that identity. In John 20, verses 19 through 23, It says on the evening of that day, of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the door locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And my favorite part of that scripture is where it talks about how Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit onto the disciples. Friends, we're disciples. Do you believe that when Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit onto his disciples, that that was meant for just them? No, that's our gift. He left it here for us to be able to to draw from every single day. And I love, truly, our very first BIC core value, right? Experience God's love and grace. And our very first core value says we value the freedom of salvation in Christ Jesus and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. So what does that tell me? Yes, there's the freedom of salvation, but there's more than that, right? There's a transforming power of the Holy Spirit that we get to partake in this side of heaven. We don't have to wait to pass on, to experience his goodness and his power. We can do it here, every day. And so, some people I talked to, right, I'm just curious, I said to a few people over the last couple of weeks, explain to me what you think the Holy Spirit is, how do you know when you see him? And many people said to me, oh, he does these great big miracles and you know, we, does all this amazing stuff, and that's true. It's absolutely true. My husband is one of those miracles. As Pastor David said, we've been here just over 10 years. The first two years I came by myself with my children, my husband was actively in addiction and a non-believer. There were women and men from this church that prayed continuously stayed in prayer for two years without seeing any result. I think that's so important because if there's anything I've learned about Grantham Church, we are resilient people. We are resilient people. And I thank God for those people that didn't give up on praying for my husband. He had traveled away one weekend. It was, uh, he went on a, a drug binge for a weekend. And that Sunday morning, he called me he said, Jules, will you come get me? I just want to come home. Whew, sorry. And so I drove two hours, and I picked him up. And on the way home, he confessed to me that he was an addict. And in that moment, he was overcome by the Holy Spirit. He had given his life to Christ and was delivered from his addictions instantly. There was no withdrawal. We're talking whatever drug you could think of, he was using it. And this was from, the, I believe, his first recovery um, trip, he was 14 years old. So this was a lifetime of addiction that, like that, the Holy Spirit had delivered him from. Now, I understand that's not everybody's. Amen. Now, I understand that's not everybody's path, but that was his. And I've learned through the years that deliverance wasn't necessarily about to win. That deliverance was about me, and here's why. There was a lot of stuff coming down the road, right? A lot of really hard times. And when there were times that I wanted to give up on my marriage, and God said to me, I didn't do that for nothing. I didn't deliver your husband the way that I did so you get to quit. And so the Holy Spirit would empower me to keep going, but he's also available to us in small ways, right? John Wesley talks about the first time he felt the Spirit. It was a warming in his heart. Friends, have you ever felt that? Are you feeling it now? Because I am. Just a slight warming in your heart, a draw towards God. Don't miss it. It's not always huge. And so the daily transformation that the Spirit has done in my life was vital. It was the little moments that led to the bigger picture, which where we are now. And so I'll share a story with Dwayne's permission. Um, he had done something one time. I can't remember what it was, but I was really angry. I was mad. And I remember leaving for the day, and when I came back, I fixed the girls' dinner And I'm standing out in my kitchen, and I'm starting to put everything away. He hadn't come out of the bedroom all day. I think he probably knew better. But (laughs) so he hadn't come out of the bedroom all day. And I'm standing there doing my dishes, and I'm just in this place of anger and hurt and pain. And I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, make your husband a sandwich. And I said, no. (laughs) I'm not making him a sandwich. He doesn't deserve a sandwich from me. And the Holy Spirit said... So you're a poser. Here's the other really cool thing about the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us in a way that we understand, right? So if you don't know what a poser is, a poser is somebody who pretends, right? Pretends to be something they're not. And the Spirit says, you say you want to love like me. You say you want to love like Jesus, but the minute it's going to cost you a little something, you quit. Well, if anybody knows me, you know I like a challenge, right? So I'm standing in front of this sink full of bubbles, and I wrap up my washcloth, and I throw it into the sink. I remember bubbles going everywhere, and I slam my hands down on the counter, and I say, listen, God, like I have some say, here's how it's going to be. If you want me to go back and love that man, if you want me to show him any kindness, you better fill me up, because there is nothing in me that feels loving right now. So I started to walk back towards the bedroom. I got about five feet away, and I stood there, did a self-evaluation. I'm like, nope, I'm still that cranky person. I was just a couple steps back. And I said again, Lord, I'm telling you, if I open this door and you don't fill me with something, it's not going to be pretty. And so I remember walking over to that bedroom door, and I put my hand on the doorknob, and I began to turn the doorknob. And I opened the door, and the minute I spoke, And I said, Dwayne, would you like a sandwich? This most beautiful, warm feeling of love and compassion for my husband came over me. God, when we, uh, friends, when we call on him, he will come. When we surrender, there wasn't anything about me that wanted to do that. The only thing I wanted to do, though, was be obedient to the Father. That's the only thing I had but it's all I needed, and so when I opened that door and I saw him laying there, I saw him the way Jesus did, right? And so I went, I skipped back out to the kitchen, and I made him the best sandwich I probably ever made in my life. It was amazing. I Don't ask him because I'm not sure, but <laughs> I remember that evening sitting next to him watching TV, and we said nothing, but we didn't have to. He knew he was forgiven and loved and I knew that he was sorry but I didn't want him to feel shame. And so yes, the Holy Spirit does these great big amazing miracles, but he's also available to us in every everyday things. If we go to Romans 8. And before we go there, okay. I love our BIC roots, our history. Pietism, the pietists stress the importance of genuine conversion and a warm personal experience of renewed life in Christ Jesus. And Wesleyanism, John Wesley was a part of the Wesleyan movement, also known as the Holiness Movement, and is part of our BIC heritage. The Wesleyan movement emphasized conversion there's that word again, as a conscious acceptance of God as well as the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and daily growth. Two words, one word twice, conversion. Friends, you cannot have conversion without the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you think you can, let me challenge you right now to go love your enemy. Go love your enemy. Tell me, wh- tell me how it works out. Because honestly, if we're real honest, we didn't even really love each other very well, each other well, during this whole last political season. Wonder what that would have looked like if the Holy Spirit would have led. Back in November, I was out for a walk. And throughout the pandemic and the closing of things, Dwayne and I had prayed about what we were going to do with our ministry and our friends. So many of them were already isolated and kind of pushed off by society. And so we didn't want them to feel that from the church. Right? And if you don't know, they refer to us as the church people. I am Mama J., on the streets, and we are referred to as the church people, right? And so that matters to me. They're using the word church, that's who we are. So it was really important to me that they knew that they were still loved and valued. And so Dwayne and I decided we were going to continue to hold small group type sessions at our house. And so we would pick them up and bus them over, and we would do church in our yard. And some of those times were really, really uncomfortable because it was really hot. And I didn't have the space to make it accommodable, maybe? That's a word? Um, I didn't have the accommodations that I wished I would have had. And so on this walk one day, I came around the corner, and I saw this amazing house. And I said, Lord, if I could just have some space like that for a ministry. Look at that beautiful little covered porch. We could put them under there, and it would be, you know, would be nice and shaded, and, and, and they would be comfortable. And so I began to pray, and at the end of November, I heard, prepare for February. Prepare to move in February. And so I have a very good friend of mine that I walk with every morning, and during one of our conversations in the neighborhood, she had shown me that this house was going to be not the same house, a different house, was going to be coming available. And so I began to pray, and I'm like, okay, so like I can already see where God's piecing this together. And so long story short, she also was friends with the owner of the house. And so she made a phone call, put us into connection, and we were told that if we wanted the house, it was ours. And so mid-January, I'm making phone calls, trying to line this up, because I'm still hearing February. And the gentleman had stopped calling me. He stopped responding to me. And I reached out to people, even of Grantham Church, and said, please, like, just pray, we need this house. And so, halfway through mid-January, when we got notice that the house was given to someone else without our knowing. And so I was a little bummed, like, God, I know I heard you. What what do you mean now? Like, what, what's happening? And so I sat on it for about a week, and he said, Julia, go on Facebook and ask for boxes. And I said, yeah, but don't you think I should have an address of where I'm going before I start packing these boxes? No, I've learned to live on faith. Like, I've learned to activate my faith, but this was a whole new level of faith. We have a family of four, and God's telling me to pack up boxes, and I don't even know where I'm going. And so I did, and I was very careful on Facebook when I asked, because I didn't want anyone to know it was for me, because all these questions were, were going to come, and I didn't have any answers. And so these, the carport starts filling up with these boxes. And we begin to slowly start to pack, and I said, Duane, I don't know where we're going, but we're going somewhere. We're go- February's right around the corner. And so I happened to be online one day, came across this house, and there's all this stuff in between there that happened. But we interviewed for the house on Wednesday, and we were moving in that Monday. It is far better than any house that I had pictured. It has the most beautiful spaces for ministry. God said, Sweetheart, I'm going I'm to match what you did, and I'm going to go above and beyond. The first week when I moved in, I sat there in awe, almost kind of scared, like, God, what am I going to do with this? So reliance on the Holy Spirit from November until now, daily reliance on Him for which direction I was taking was vital in that. And so in the process of that, I don't know how many of you know this, but in the process of that, I'm like, okay, bigger house, we have more expense, I need a job. And so I applied for the discipleship position here at Grantham and began an amazing interview process. Now, I will tell you, I didn't hear that I was getting the job. What I heard was apply. And so I learned so much through the process. And then Pastor David messaged me, and he said, will you please come in? I'd like to talk to you. And I'm like, here it comes, (laughs) right? And it did, and that's okay, friends. So I sat down with Pastor David, and he tells me why the answer is no. And it was so true, all of it. But as he's speaking to me, I'm relying on the Holy Spirit because I can get in my own way, right? Sometimes a no feels like it's rejection. It wasn't rejection. It was keeping me on the path that God had put me on. And I didn't realize that till I got home. And I sat there, and I was praying And I was like, Lord, I know you told me to do this. Why would you tell me to do this just to get a no? And he said, because I wanted you to know without a doubt that the path you're on is the path that I have you on. This is what I want you to do. And see, the thing is, in the middle of all that, we had an offer and some support and encouragement to start our own 501C. And so I knew that the no was keeping me on the path to that. And that night I went to bed, and I was praying, and God woke me up, and I began to pray, and he said, I want you to know something about your pastor David. He was nervous about delivering that no. And I remember because he got a little emotional. Guys, it's been a hard year. And the fear of the consequence to that no... Might have been that my family was going to leave. And God said to me, But you're being led by a pastor who's being led by the Spirit. We don't always get it right, guys. But when you know your leadership is being led by the Spirit, know that you're blessed. Know that you're blessed. I knew that He was afraid of what might happen, but his loyalty in his heart was to do what the Spirit was calling him to do. And that meant more to me and inspired me more than any yes could have. And so we step into the space of 180 Ministries. 180 Ministries is going to be very much what we're doing previously, but it's going to be even bigger and better. Guys, listen. When I tell you, like last year, it was so hot outside, sometimes we bought an inflatable swimming pool. It was only about this big, right? And sometimes we'd have four and five adults in there splashing around. And it brought my heart so much joy to be able to share what little we had with everybody else. Do you know what God gave me in, my ne- ne- in the house that we have now? A beautiful in-crown pool a beautiful in-ground pool. If we handle the little well, he will bless us with more. And this isn't about prosperity. That's not what I'm talking about. My prayer was that we could have more so that we could give more. And you just wait to see all the barbecues and parties and all the swimming time, our Bible studies. We have a beautiful room downstairs that we have dedicated to Bible studies and prayer time. That is the power of walking with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. I guess I should probably get to Romans 8. So it says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of Righteousness and if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead is living in you he who raised christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you friends listen the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead think about i want you to think about that just a second that same spirit that raised jesus from the dead and changed history forever lives in us. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with the power of the Holy Spirit? And listen, I'm not telling you it needs to look like your neighbor. I'm not telling you you need to come in and raise your hands. and do. I'm telling you, you need to allow him to love on you. Surrender to his voice. And that's one thing I love about the Holy Spirit. He's such a gentleman. In case you didn't notice, I'm a little bit of, you know, little bits uh, animated. And so when the Spirit comes to me, I respond in a physical way. That's a part of my personality. But that doesn't mean that somebody who's a little more reserved, who's a little more quiet, the Spirit isn't going to come and affect them necessarily the same way. But what I want is if you're feeling it, allow it to happen. Express it. I have heard, and I I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but I've had several people from the congregation tell me that they worship vicariously through me. And I said, what does that mean? They're like, well, I love to watch watch you worship, but I'm afraid to do it. Do you know how that breaks my heart? Friends, I'm telling you, this is a safe place to do it. It is a safe place. And so if you're feeling a warm something in your heart and you want to slip your hand up, slip, worship him the way you feel drawn to. Step into those spaces. Allow him to transform your heart. I would not be who I am today without complete surrender to the Holy Spirit. I was a mess when I walked through that door 12 years ago. A complete mess. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't want church. I wanted Jesus, and that was it. I thank God every day for my church. For the people who sat for hours and prayed for my husband. For people who have come along and encouraged. For people who gave me a good swift kick when I needed it. I think it was only once, but probably twice. (laughs) But people that aren't afraid to say no. For people who aren't afraid to say, get back into alignment with your gifting. We all have gifts. Friends, what's your gifts? Start to pray about it. Start to seek it. Ask God what it is that he wants to use you in. And so I'm going to close with a little bit. Um, in the beginning, I talked to you about um, imaginative prayer and how beautiful that was for me in my life, how changing it was. And so, I'd like to do a little bit of that this morning. And so, if you would all just close your eyes, take a couple deep breaths, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. Ask Him to give you a word that displays. What keeps you from complete surrender to Him, to the Holy Spirit? Is it fear? Is it hopelessness? Unbelief? Whatever it is, ask Him to show you that word in writing. In your mind. Now when you open your eyes, I want you to go ahead and cup your hands. Go ahead and open your eyes and cup your hands. I want you to look into your hands, and if God gave you a word, I want you to imagine it in your hand. Imagine that word in your hand. And what we're going to do together, church, We're going to lift this. We're going to lift these places of bondage up to God, up to the Heavenly Father, and we're going to release them to him at the same time. On the count of three, one, two, three, and if you have a word, just lift it. Give it to him, friends. Give your word. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit, Lord. I thank you for my church family, God, for this space that you've used to teach me and to mold me, Father. I thank you for 180 Ministries and what you're doing there, Father, the doors that you are open, opening for us, God, to step into these scary places. God, I pray for every single person that is hearing my voice right now that if nothing else, they will feel a warming in their heart right now, Lord, knowing that it's the Holy Spirit, God. I pray that you will set Grantham Church on fire, Father. Ignite us, Lord, with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we're able to step into the authority of who you have called us to be, Lord. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for Easter. Father, and I thank you that we are Easter people. Lord, we give it all back to you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.